This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Good morning. You can laugh. Uh, Thank you, Bob, for that picture. Uh, I will say that picture uh, was staged, although I, I can't lie and say that I'm a much better dancer than you saw in that picture. So uh, I guess that's one of the good things about not being famous. No paparazzi unless you're at church uh, and they follow. My name's Kevin, and I work here at New Life. Uh, I'm part of your community, part of the group that's trying to figure out how to follow God together, uh, how to live that out, how to love God, how to love each other. And I have the privilege of talking today about the thing that keeps me up at night, uh, that gets me excited and passionate. It's actually a continuation of what we talked about last week. Uh, it, it's, it's the driving force behind who I am and what I do. And so I'm going to speak to you uh, from my heart. I'm going to speak to you from uh, the Bible, and I hope that uh, God speaks to you in the midst of it, that uh, you begin to um, or grow in your excitement for who God is, for what God's doing, for his purpose, for his passion, for his mission uh, to the world, to you, to your friends, to your neighbors. Uh, We're in a series called Rhythms of Life. We're talking about the things that get us connected into God, the rhythms, the, the practices that we do on a regular basis that draw us back to God's heart. Uh, that would help us engage with God and that would help other people engage with God. Last week, we talked about the rhythm of compassion, and this week we're talking about the rhythm of mission. But really, it's a continuation because we can't have the rhythm of mission unless we have the rhythm of compassion. And really, the rhythm of compassion is only a fraction of what it could be without the rhythm of mission. So we could put these two together as kind of God's mission part one and God's mission part two. And what we talked about last week is that mission is love. That mission is to uh, love us in such a way that it draws us closer to God and then uh, moves us with God to love other people, that they may draw closer to God. In Genesis 1, we learned last week that God set up the world uh, apart from pain and death and disease uh, and, and hurting and tears, uh, the things that we, we see that break our hearts. Uh, but then uh, people made choices apart from God and death and pain and destruction entered in, and we experienced that. Uh, the crazy thing about uh, Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3 isn't that it happened to uh, some people in the beginning of time, but really that it happens every day uh, in our lives and the lives of, of people around us. And uh, we learned that if that's the beginning of God's story in Genesis, the end of God's story in Revelation is a place where he's bringing an ending to tears and to pain and to death to destruction, but we live in between God's beginning and God's end. And so we we talked about the reality that being people of compassion means walking with God in his mission, uh, to love people, to care for them, uh, to to bring healing in their lives in real, intangible ways. Uh, That's absolutely part of the good news of who God is and what God does. And today we're going to talk about taking that love even one step further— Uh, I've heard it said St. Francis of Assisi, uh, who's an old guy with a funny name, uh, but a very, uh, 
but a very uh, uh, devout person of faith. St. Francis once said, proclaim the good news of Jesus at all times, and when necessary, use words. And I've heard that used on both sides of this conversation. Some people say, well, just be people of compassion, and that is the good news of Jesus. But then others would say, no, we need to proclaim the good news of Jesus with our words. The reality about St. Francis was that he was both a person who sold everything and gave to the poor, so he was a person of compassion, and he was a street preacher. He stood up and he proclaimed with his words uh, the realities of Jesus. And, and so when St. Saint Francis says, uh, talk about the good news at all times, and when necessary, use words, what he's saying is, be people of compassion and people of mission. Let's not separate these two out, but let's draw them together because God goes one step further even than last week, even than being people who act compassionately. His love goes even deeper. Uh, Look at what the Bible says in John chapter 3, beginning in verse 16. Oh, I will tell you before we start, there are little uh, notes in your inserts called the New Life Notes. Uh, When I was in fifth grade, I used to love Where's Waldo. It was one of my uh, favorite stories to read, mostly because there were no words. Uh, so as you're reading through your notes, you're going to notice that there's something that's a little off in one of the scriptures. Uh, it's, it's correct up here, but just enjoy the Where's Waldo moment in that. I made a, a little mistake, and if you catch it, don't feel the need to come tell me. Uh, I, I realize it. Uh, so John chapter 3, verse 16 says, God so loved the world that he gave his only son, so that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. God so loved the world that whoever believes in him would have eternal life. Verse 17, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. That word send in the original language has to do with being sent on a mission, sent with a purpose, sent with a plan. And so the fullness of God's mission was that God loved the world so much that he gave Jesus, not to condemn the world, but to save the world, but to draw people back into a relationship with him. And we need to know that that is God's heart at the very core of who God is before we can go any further today. Because I believe that there's something at the core of each of us that says there's got to be something more than 50, 60, 70 years, and then nothingness. I think there's something deep within each of us and deep within everyone in the world that at some point in their life, somewhere at their core, they're going to have a moment, maybe just for a second, maybe just before they're falling asleep. Uh, But there's going to be a moment where they will be drawn to uh, their creator. They will be drawn to the one who is calling them, who made them, who wants to have relationship with them. Because the Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his son to draw people to himself. And God is drawing people to himself. And so this rhythm of mission is simply a rhythm of joining with God in what God is already doing. Uh, Now, there's a lot of of things that encompass mission, and so I want to define what I'm talking about when I say the word mission today. Because, for example, being people of compassion uh, is absolutely part of God's mission— Uh, But today when we use the word mission, uh, we're going to say that uh, God's mission through Jesus is to embrace people in his love in a way that would draw them into a passionate relationship with him that leads to life. That's how we're going to define mission. And you know what? God's good at it. He's been doing it for a long time. So uh, this is not new to him, uh, but it might be new to some of us. So get ready for what God has for you. 
our role in God's mission is to love people so deeply that we would be drawn closer to Jesus and then drawn to help other people come close to Jesus. I don't know if that hits you the way that it hits me. Uh, The creator of the universe, the God of all things, uh, he calls each of us to be part of his mission. He trusts us enough. He respects us enough that he invites us to take part in his mission. Think about that. Think about your life for a minute. And then think about the reality that God has chosen you to be part of something amazing. He trusts you. He values you. He calls you into mission. And I know this word mission can have a lot of connotations, some positive, uh, some negative. Uh, But what we're really talking about is introducing people to a God that loves them. That's it. Uh, We're talking about rhythms that draw us closer to God because God's heart aches for people that don't know him. Jesus tried to explain this point in the story. He said there was a shepherd who had a hundred sheep and one sheep wandered away and the shepherd knew that if that sheep was by itself, it would die. It would get eaten. It would be destroyed. It would have death. And so the shepherd leaves the 99 sheep and he goes and he finds the one sheep and when he gets it, he puts it on his shoulders. He brings it back and he celebrates with his friends. And Jesus says, that's what I'm doing in the world. I'm going after people to draw them back to life to care for them, to love them, to know them, to be known by them. And so we're going to be in uh, Acts chapter 8, verse 26, talking about a story uh, of a man named Philip and an interaction he has uh, with an Ethiopian gentleman who's traveling on a road. Uh, and I love this story because it can give us some, um, some guidance, some, some leading in how we can engage with people that they might engage with God. And I'll say this from the beginning, there's no uh, one-size-fits-all way to engage with God in his mission. So these are some ideas, some pointers that can help us to be people who follow after God and to uh, engage with others. But before we get into that, I want to pray for our time together. So would you join me? Lord, uh, would you speak deeply into our hearts? Uh, Would you be forming in us your heart uh, for, for people, your love for them, that we might be drawn uh, to love you more deeply, to love our neighbors more deeply. Uh, Lord, I confess this week that I was struck by uh, my inability to love as deeply as you do. So would you uh, grow my capacity to love? Would you grow my friends in this room? Would you grow their capacity to love people uh, even a fraction of as much as you love people? Uh, God, we want to be more like you. Would you speak to us now? Amen. So we meet this dude, Philip, in Acts chapter 6. He's one of seven men who is set up in this committee to make sure that a group of widows are getting enough bread to eat. So we know from that story in Acts chapter 6 that Philip is a man of compassion, uh, and he's a man who loves the Lord. He's giving bread to people who don't have enough food to eat. He's in charge of this group uh, because compassion and mission go hand in hand. So that's the compassion piece, and here's the mission uh, in 8. Uh, Verse 26, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, to the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Now this road from Jerusalem to Gaza uh, was leading out to the coast, and basically the only thing on this road was a deserted town. There isn't a whole lot that's there. And so Philip's got to be wondering, what is God doing? I've got this ministry that's going here. I'm caring for people. I'm doing what he wants me to do. I'm in Jerusalem in this great community of of people who are following God together. But now he's calling me to go on this road without a whole lot more leading. And so Philip begins to 
to walk onto this road. Uh, the reality uh, is that when we engage with God in his mission, it helps us to hear from God. It's good for us to engage with God in his mission. Uh, he will speak to us when we begin to ask, God, what do you want to do uh, through me? How do you want to use me? What is my role? I remember sitting uh, in the library over at the college that I used to work at and uh, doing some, some work before I had a meeting. And there was a gal sitting uh, maybe 10 feet away. And she was eating lunch by herself in the library, which, I, man, when I was a student, I never spent time in the library, so I was a little confused by this. Uh, but I saw her over there, and, and I can only explain it as, as a, a prompting, a nudging. I, I didn't hear God say, go talk to her, but I felt this sense that wasn't from me, like I needed to talk to her. So like any good campus pastor, I said, God, if, you, if she's still there in 20 minutes, then I'll go talk to her. Uh, you know, because no one stays in the library for 20 minutes eating their lunch. So she'll be gone, and that's how God, you know, I laid it out for God, and God let her go by. So I'm doing my work, and, and I glance every once in a while, which probably creeped her out. Uh, I glance, and she's still there five minutes, ten minutes, fifteen minutes. She's still there. My hands are starting to sweat. Uh, and then, to be honest with you, I stopped looking for a few minutes. It was probably like 24, 25 minutes before I look back, and she's still there. Oh, okay. So I got up, and I walked over to her and, and tried not to be creepy. Uh, but I'm a married man. She was probably a freshman or a sophomore in college. And so I went up and I just said, hi, my name's Kevin. I'm one of the campus pastors here with a group called InterVarsity. Uh, have you heard of InterVarsity before? And that was my lead-in. And um, she said, you know, I had heard of InterVarsity when I first came to college. She was a sophomore, maybe a junior. When I first came to college and I tried to find you guys, but I never could. But I've, I've been looking because I really want to get plugged in uh, into ministry. Um, so can you give me some information? I said, absolutely. So I gave her the information. I, I felt good. God, uh, God, God spoke to me. God led me to this person who wanted to engage with him. Uh, if you want to hear from God, I invite you, ask God questions that line up with his heart. God, would you lead me to people who want to experience you? Like I say, God's been doing this from the beginning of time. He's really good at it, um, and he will take you to people if you are open. Verse 27 says uh, that Philip started out, and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch. Now, this man was an, an important official, and he was in charge of the treasury of Candace, who was the queen of the Ethiopians. So Philip's on this road, and this caravan comes by, uh, and there's an Ethiopian uh, eunuch in there. And uh, a, a eunuch was, was most likely someone who had been castrated before going into service to the queen. And if you don't know what that means, ask your parents. If they don't want to tell you, ask your local farmer. Uh, they can explain to you... Uh, that whole thing. Um, the scripture continues on. The man had gone to worship in Jerusalem. So we know that this Ethiopian has an amount of faith. Uh, he's traveled to Jerusalem to worship God. But there's a problem uh, with the story. Because he's a eunuch, Jewish law said that he couldn't be a full convert to Judaism. Uh, he, couldn't, he couldn't fully come into the faith that, that God had set up. Through the, through the Jewish community. And so he was always an outsider looking in. Uh, he was always in the background of worship. He wanted to know God. He had this spiritual interest. He had this spark, but he was being kept back uh, a little bit. And, and so Philip sees this guy, and he knows that uh, the guy's got some sort of spiritual interest. Uh, engaging with God in his mission is not about manufacturing things. 
It's not about trying to start something for someone. Uh, God is already at work in people's lives. One of the things that drives me crazy is when people say, we're going to take God to this person or to this people group. We're going to take God here, take God there, as if God's in our back pocket or in our purse, and we just pull God out at some point and like throw him to somebody. Like, here, here's God. No, God is, God is working in the world. God is drawing people to himself. God is far bigger than us, far greater than us, and God loves people so deeply that he is just calling people to himself. And so, like, uh, like detectives at a, at a scene, we come in and we begin to look. Where is God moving? What is God doing in your life? How is God already working, and how can I kind of draw that out? The author says that God was doing something in this man's life that caused him to travel all the way to Jerusalem with a, a spiritual curiosity and excitement for God. And verse 28 uh, says this, on this man's way home, he was sitting in his chariot and reading the book of the prophet Isaiah. And the Spirit told Philip, again, uh, God is speaking to Philip because Philip is open to God. Uh, think, think about that. Remember we had that prayer uh, through the great adventure, God, what do you want to do through me to accomplish your will in the church and in this community? And we said that's a prayer of surrendering ourselves and saying, God, whatever you want. It's yours. I will do whatever uh, you want to do. Imagine every day waking up and saying, God, what are you going to do today? God, how are you going to surprise me today? God, what kind of um, amazing thing are you going to do today? This is the life that Philip has. He's hearing from God. He's connecting with God. And the Spirit of God went to Philip and said, go to that chariot and stay near it. So Philip ran to the chariot, and he heard the man reading the prophet Isaiah. Can you, can you imagine this? Can you picture this in your head? Does the Bible ever make you laugh a little bit? Uh, here's Philip running next to a chariot, right? He, he's got to be kind of freaking out here. I, I would. Engaging with God in his mission can be a little bit scary sometimes. Um, do you ever get butterflies when you feel like God's saying, go invite that person to church or go talk to that person about issues of faith? I do. I do. Uh, this is, like I say, this is kind of the, the core, the heart of who I am, but every time, every time I get butterflies, every time I get a little bit nervous, uh, sometimes those butterflies cause me to freeze up. They cause me to not go and talk to a person, um, to miss opportunities to engage with people uh, for the Lord. Uh, did you know that 366 times in the Bible, God says, don't be afraid? Don't, don't be afraid. Don't be scared. Because he knows uh, our tendency to freeze up sometimes. And, and being scared is one of the biggest limiting factors in engaging with God in what he's doing in the world. God, what are those people going to think about me if I talk with them? What are they going to think about me if I invite them to just, just come and connect with me? Get coffee, get lunch, uh, go to church. What are people going to think? And we get scared and we freeze up. Uh, seven years ago, I met uh, a student named Andrew. And Andrew uh, was a freshman. Uh, I was a senior in college. Andrew was a freshman in college. And I was leading a Bible study, and some of Andrew's roommates were in this Bible study. And Andrew didn't have uh, a faith that he was engaging with. Uh, and so I said, hey, do you want to get together and maybe study the Bible or something? Just, just talk about what God's doing. And he said yes. And so we got together one week, and we studied the Bible. And it was the first time I'd ever done something like that, and I was scared, and I'm sure I messed up quite a bit in talking with him. I'm sure I was probably shaking a little. Uh, but at the end of it, he seemed to have had a good time. 
So I said, do you want to get together next week and do this again? And he said, sure, I'll, I'll do it again. So next week came, and I was in the cafe waiting for him, and Andrew didn't show up. And I sat there for a half hour and um, began to question myself, began to doubt, uh, had I said something wrong? Uh, man, did he just, was he just trying to appease me? Was he just being nice uh, by saying he'd come and meet with me again? Does he really not want to engage with God, engage with faith issues? Uh, and so I began to question and doubt and get a little nervous, feel a little embarrassed, and I uh, never asked Andrew to join me again. I would see him from time to time. We'd have small talk, we'd hang out, but I never even brought it up that he didn't show up. Uh, and so throughout the next uh, two and a half years, I would see Andrew with some friends, and we'd talk, and, and it was nice. Um, and then one day before what would have been Andrew's uh, senior year, I got a phone call that he was driving back up to Sonoma State, and uh, he got in a car accident. He went off the road, and he died. Um, and as I sat at the, the memorial, um, I just thought, man, why did I let my insecurity, my fear— get in the way of inviting Andrew to connect with God. And I don't tell you that story to make you feel bad. I don't tell you that story to make you feel guilty. Uh, And joining with God in his mission is not about guilt. It's not about shame. It's not about obligation. It's about love. It's about loving God and loving people the way that God loves people. So I'm not telling you that story to make you feel bad or or guilty. I'm telling you that story because that brought home for me uh, how fragile life can be. Uh, I was 21, 22. I didn't think about death a whole lot, but life is fragile, and it can be taken from us at any minute. And I don't want us to deprive our friends of experiencing the love of their Creator because we get embarrassed, because we get nervous. It's part of it. It's okay to have the butterflies. Philip is running next to a chariot. He's trying to figure out what God wants him to do. He's probably feeling a little awkward, probably feeling a little embarrassed, probably trying to keep his robe up from getting dirty. Um, and he has a choice to make. Is he going to keep running and talk with the man, or is he going to turn back and just go back to Jerusalem, uh, where it's safe, uh, where other people are engaging with God, where, where he knows that he's got a position of authority, uh, where he's a leader in the community? What's he going to do? Is he going to give in to fear, or is he going to stand in faith and do what God has invited him to do? And Peter chooses, or Philip chooses uh, faith. He says to the man, do you understand what you're reading? Well, how can I, the man said, unless someone explains it to me. And, and so he invited Philip to come and sit with him in the chariot. Do you notice Philip starts with a question? And then he listens to the man's response. He says, do you understand what it is you're reading? Remember, I talked about, it's just when we connect with people, with our friends, with our neighbors, with our work, uh, workmates, work partners, uh, it, it's really about seeing what God's already doing and just asking questions. Asking good questions, asking deep questions, and then really listening to people's answers. Engaging with them in life and every day. One of my biggest fears about talking with folks about Jesus is that um, if, if I share this with you, you'll get excited but nervous and tense, and all of a sudden you'll walk up to someone and kind of vomit Jesus all over them, right? It's like, <laughs> mark them with a cross and, you know— that is not, that is not what we're talking about. We don't need to vomit Jesus on people. We don't need to throw Jesus at people. Jesus is not in our back pocket. Jesus is moving in the world. We need to ask questions that get to the heart of people's interest, their curiosity, uh, and we need to uh, listen when people respond. 
And the man says, how can I understand unless someone tells me? And I used to think that everyone in the United States knew about God, just had some sort of, of idea about God and Jesus and the Bible, and just kind of chose not to follow God until I met a gal named Lydia. And, uh, Lydia was a, a student, and there were probably four or five uh, folks who had no faith background but wanted to study the Bible with me. And so we got together, and we started uh, talking. And I said, well, what do you know about the Bible? She's like, well, I know a little bit. I said, okay, like, like what? You know, what have you read so far? What have you read before? And she kind of looked at me awkward and paused, and she said, actually, I don't really know anything about it. I've never actually opened a Bible. Uh, I, I don't I don't know. I said, okay, well, let's start from the beginning because it's a, you know, it's a very good place to start. And so uh, we started in the book of Genesis and we started connecting and she started to fall in love with God. I mean, it was amazing. God was moving in her life. So after four or five weeks, I said, hey, do you, do you want to come into a relationship with God? The God that knows you and loves you and created you to be in an intimate relationship with you? And, and she said, I think I do but I need a sign. I need something. We've been talking about signs that God is moving. So I, I, I need a sign. I said, okay, but if God gives you a sign, you need to respond. I mean, does that seem like a fair enough deal? She said, sure. So she went home and came back to me uh, three days later. I had just finished a sermon on money, and she walked up with tears in her eyes, which kind of confused me because it wasn't that passionate of a sermon. Um, but she's just bawling. She's crying and crying and crying. I said, what's going on? She said, Kevin, I got to tell you the story. Last night I was laying in my dorm room and I had uh, that Bible that you gave me. It was up on a desk and I was about this far away from the edge, uh, just sitting back, laying down flat. And I said, God, would you give me a sign that you're real? And as I said that, I heard a thud. And so I got up and I turned on my light and the Bible had slid over like eight inches, fallen onto the table below it, and it opened up to the passage that we were studying last night. I said, yes, and? Uh, she, she said, I, I want to have a relationship with Jesus. I said, that's awesome. She said, I know. And she's crying, and I'm getting emotional because I'm an emotional guy. And uh, I actually ran out that day. I was so excited that I ran out that day, and I left my sandals there because I wanted to go tell some other people, and I lost my sandals that day. But that's another story for another time. <laughs> Crazy pastor running around barefoot on the college campus. Um, she said to me, Kevin, I need to go call my sister. No one in her family had a faith background. Nobody. I got to call my sister and tell her what happened. I said, yeah, go home. Go call her. Well, I come to find out that she called her sister up, and her sister said, hi. She said, hey, it's me. It's Lydia. And her sister said, I know. She's like, I, she said, I've got something to tell you. And Lydia said, or her sister said, yeah, I know, but tell me anyway, because it's good for you to, to tell me this. And so she said, kind of confused. Well, she told the whole story, and, and I've, I'm giving my life to the Lord. I want to be in a relationship with Jesus. And her sister said, I know. She said, I met uh, a group of people about a month ago, and they, we started studying the Bible together. And I gave my life to the Lord uh, a week and a half ago. And God told me, uh, as I was praying, that you were going to give your life to the Lord this week. Um, but I should just wait for you to call me and tell me. And so then they're both crying, and I heard the story again. I'm crying, you know. Um, <laughs> And so then they go home that summer and they start going to church and they start inviting their parents and their parents give their lives to the Lord. Uh, this is God weaving this stuff together. This is not us. It's not us trying to push uh, the Lord on people. God loves people. God is drawing people to himself. Um, God wants to connect. God's already working in people's lives. Now, I'm telling you some of these stories and I don't want you to just kind of throw him off. Like, well, that's, he's a pastor. That's a pastor story. 
And I think there's a, there's a tendency to do that. Well, that's what he, he gets paid for that kind of stuff. Uh, I don't get paid enough to tell these stories. No, I'm just, I get paid well, and I appreciate that. Thank you for your kind and generous giving. Uh, these are not pastor stories. These are God stories. These can be your stories. I guarantee there are people in this room who have stories like this, either about your own faith journey where God captured you with his love, or, or your, your friends, your family, your roommates. These are God's stories, and if we engage with God in his mission, they'll be your stories to tell. We'll be inviting you up here to share what God's doing in and through you. Uh, verse 35 uh, says this, Philip began from that very passage of Scripture, and he told the man the good news about Jesus. Philip listens to the man. He gets to the heart of the man's questions, and then he begins to talk to the man about Jesus from that spot. I want to give you a few easy ways to engage with your friends with Jesus. Um, One would be just ask your friends questions that deal with real life. I'm pretty sure that when most people in the world ask, how are you doing, they don't really care. So if you ask someone how they're doing at work, and they say fine, and you say really, tell me about it. What's going on in life? I guarantee that will strike something in someone. Be people who ask questions that get to the heart of life. I think we tend to separate out uh, everyday life and spiritual things, but Jesus never separated the two out. Everyday life was part of spiritual life. They were together. So Ask questions that get to the heart of where people are. Uh, Ask people what's going on. Ask your friends, your neighbors, your parents, your kids, your coworkers, what's going on in their lives. And then look for ways that God might be working. Look for ways that God might be weaving their story in with your story, in with his story. Another way would be to invite friends to ask you their questions about God and then look for answers. And I know this can be a little scary, uh, but I got to be honest with you. Uh, I have learned more about God by doing this, by asking people their questions about God and then looking for answers than I have in seminary, uh, than I have uh, sitting in academic settings where I have studied the Bible. I have learned more about God by asking friends their questions and just looking for answers. It will help us engage with God. And then when we go back, it will help others. If your friends ask you questions you don't know the answer to, uh, begin to, to dive into the Bible and look for answers. If you can't find it, call one of the pastors. Call your life group leaders. Get into it. Have fun with it. This is exciting stuff. Call me. I love having conversations about this. Let's talk about it. Let's find answers to your friend's questions. The third way might be just to invite someone to church. New Life is not a perfect church, mostly because it's filled with imperfect people like me, like you, whether you would admit it or not. We're not perfect. Let's just be honest about that. But we're trying to love God. We're trying to love people to the best of our ability, and even beyond the best of our ability, to the best of God's ability. At the core of our mission, uh, we're trying to, if you look at the big sign on the wall, connect people to God and each other, right? That's, that's the core of who we are. Then to develop them as followers of Christ and to move them into lifestyles of service. It sounds like what we've been talking about these last two weeks, right? Being people of compassion, being people of mission, serving God with our actions, serving God with our words, serving God with our everything. So invite your friend to come to church on Sunday. I guarantee it will be a place where they can hear about God in a a non-threatening way. But if Sunday morning feels a little bit too threatening, um, maybe just invite them to some other event that we do, like the movie night coming up. There's a a couple's movie night that the marriage groups are putting on. Uh, It's about the ups and downs, the ins and outs of marriage. It's this Friday. It stars Kirk Cameron. Uh, So really, how could you pass it up? 
Uh, it's a win-win, right? Marriage, it's free. Marriage, food, Kirk Cameron. Uh, from such TV shows as Growing Pains. Uh, how could you not want to come to that and bring your friends to it? Um, but just invite people to come. Come, come and see this God who's transforming my life. The story ends in verse 36. Uh, it says, As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch, was ba- and the eunuch said, uh, Look, here is water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? And baptism for this man was really about identifying with Jesus. He hears uh, the message of love. He's captured by God's heart, God's love. And he says, I want to I confess that with everything. I want to get baptized. I want to show outwardly what God is doing inwardly. Why shouldn't I get baptized? Verse 38, and so the man gave orders for the chariot to stop. And there were certain pools that would fill up seasonally around this road. And so they stop at this pool and Philip baptizes the man. If you hear nothing else this morning, please hear that God is drawing people around you to himself. And I just don't want you to miss it. I don't want you to miss the good things that God is doing as he draws people to himself. So the question that you need to ask, that I need to ask, is will we join in Jesus with his mission of drawing people to himself? Uh, I left a blank on your notes there at the, bo- at the bottom because it's not a rhetorical question. Uh, will you join with Jesus in his mission of drawing people to himself? I want to close uh, with some of Jesus' last words in Matthew chapter 8, verse 28. He says, uh, I'm sorry, in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, he says, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Uh, Therefore, because all authority has been given to me, go and make disciples of the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded to you. Uh, teaching them to love God with a passion and a fire that burns within them, with everything they are, with everything they have, teaching them to love others as they would love their very selves. And Jesus ends by saying, Surely I'm with you always, even to the ends of the age. Friends, there's nowhere that we can go where God isn't already there. There's nothing that we can do that God is not already moving in front of us as long as we follow and engage with him. Uh, We're talking about being captivated by God's love in such a way that we would invite other people to be captivated by that love as well. Um, But if you're here today and you've never uh, been captured, captivated, drawn in by God's love, then really uh, this uh, is just words. Uh, We don't do this out of obligation or a sense of duty. We do this because God has called us. God loves us. God's drawing us in. If you're here this morning and you don't have a relationship with God that's passionate, that's exciting, that just draws you in, that, that wakes you up in the morning with a sense of joy and passion and purpose. And when you go to bed, you're just thinking, how could this day with God be any better? If you don't have a deep and intimate, a passionate relationship, I would invite you now is the time to come into one. There's no better time than today, than right now. So I'm going to pray, and I'm going to pray two things. One, I'm going to pray for those of us who are following God to be people of, of um, mission, to be people who are helping others engage with God. And then two, I'm going to give you some space to do business with God. Uh, if you've never come into a relationship with the Lord, uh, to, to do that now, even before we go back into our time of worship. So would you join me and, and pray? Lord, uh, thank you for the invitation to join you in your mission uh, of drawing people into your love. Lord, thank you that you've been working in this from the beginning of time, that you've been drawing people to yourself. This is not something that's new for you, even if it's new for us. Uh, Lord, would you give us uh, a desire, a passion, and a courage to walk out with you and to love other people in very tangible ways that would help them experience 
more fully your love, your purpose, and your passion in their lives. And if you're here today as we continue to pray, and you've never come into a, a relationship with God, with a God that loves you so much, uh, I'm going to pray, and you can just repeat after me, uh, and just invite God to guide you on this journey of life. So uh, join me and pray. Uh, God, thank you for inviting me into a relationship with you. Uh, thank you for your love for me. Thank you, Jesus, for making a way for me to come into relationship with you. I choose today, here, now, uh, to follow you with my life. Lord, would you show me in very real ways how to live that out today, this week, this year, and for the rest of my life. Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.